0: Welcome to Dear Legal Ops, the podcast tackling tough topics, impacting today's evolving legal operations profession anonymously. This podcast is made for and by the Legal Ops community. We will hear trailblazing tales and lessons learned from seasoned professionals, change makers, and community champions.
1: Join us as we go on a journey of delightful insights and enthusiastic ideas that will inspire you to find your inner brilliance personally and professionally.
0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Dearly Gloss. I'm your co-host, Tom Stevenson. Today, Tommy and I are setting sail on the vast sea of persuasion where the winds of resource and authenticity, and most importantly, cross-functional relationships propel our legal team and vessel forward. Picture yourself with a budget and a need trying to navigate the intricate waters of hiring and resourcing for an in-house legal team, equipped with the invaluable compass of data-driven decisions, and ultimately, maybe, steering you towards the shores of buy-in and approval. Our letter today comes from Lenny Legal Lumberjack from Ops Overlook, perched at the top of peaks of operational challenges. Lenny's quest? Oh. It's much like the one that Tommy, myself, and our guest, Daisha, have experienced before. Because convincing the financial gatekeepers and in-house leaders that numbers don't lie, it doesn't always work. Sometimes they're in dire need of an additional maestro. But it's more than just data and numbers. It's actually really important. And quite frankly, something we talk about often here, the storytelling. It's about harnessing your authentic voice, wielding passion like a captain's telescope to reveal the larger vision and align the ship's crew so that your in-house legal team can sail into the sunset with the proper resources. Our guest today is Daisha Vasquez, Director of Legal Operations at Zealous. And Tommy and I have had multiple opportunities to interact with her and from conferences and webinars to her magnetic interview for Legal Business World. Daisha is a beacon of persuasive, prowess, and genuine connection. And y'all, her mantra, be true to yourself, it resonates as the anchor keeping our ship steadfast, sometimes amidst turbulent waters. So with this wonderful expertise in hand, she'll help our listeners and Lenny dive deep into the art of advocacy, how to use that compelling data to craft a persuasive narrative and ultimately, the keys to unlocking buy-in for additional resourcing. Hopefully, you'll be able to leave with a nice little acronym on how to get it hired and lead with authenticity in every pitch, presentation, and proposal. Daisha is that rare captain who can command the boardroom's helm with grace and ease, and then seamlessly join the crew at the galley, breaking bread and sharing tales. Her journey meanders through the challenges of her own career, and then celebrates the victories of pushing past it, serving as a lighthouse for all of us in the legal ops realm. And today, she's ready to share her map to success. So y'all, as we unfurl the sails and ride the winds of this episode, brace yourself for an enlightening journey. Let's dive into our letter and illuminate the path for Lenny and every other legal ops sailor out there, trying to navigate the vast seas of resourcing within an in-house legal team. But first, grab that glass and get comfy as we dig deeper into Dear Legal Ops.
1: Our letter today hails from Lenny, legal lumberjack from Ops Overlook. Our listener writes, Dear Legal Ops, picture me perched precariously on the top floor of Build It Right Corp. My trusty hard hat doing double duty as rain shield and thought catcher. As a storm of operational challenges rages, I'm knee deep in data that's more knotted than my grandma's old yarn stash. Amidst this jigsaws of jurisprudence and Joyce, it dawns on me our legal ops orchestra needs another maestro, someone to choreograph a cacophony of harmonious hymn of efficiency. However, here's where I face a brick wall and not the construction kind. How do I chisel into our finance department's granite mindset, illustrating that this isn't merely about more hands on deck, but sculpting a masterpiece of ROI? What tools can I use to draft a compelling blueprint that persuades our top brass to rally behind this reinforcement? In a world where showing Trump's telling, how can I paint a vivid picture that screams louder than just my cries of, I'm swamped, As I stand at the crossroad of cogs and codes, I seek your wisdom, hoping to transform our legal labyrinth into a well-oiled machine. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the DLO
2: studio, Tom and Deja Vasquez.
0: Hello, hello. How are you doing, Deja?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Tom and Tommy, I love this. TNT, we do blow things up, don't we?
0: Dynamite, up over and here. Yes, we've met different times, right? We've gone to different conferences together. Some have been all three of us together. Some have been two and two, right? And I think it's a really interesting perspective when you have been around people for a while in the space that have experience with our profession and seeing it just jump so quickly overnight, right? And really everything that happened between 2019 to 2022, if you will. And we are fans of Ms. Vasquez over here. So, Mm -hmm. Daisha, we are just thrilled that you are able to join us here in the Dear Legal Ops studio today. One of the things that I would like to just really get into and jump into is when you heard Lenny the Legal Lumberjack's letter, and you were thinking about resourcing. What compelled you to come on and really kind of share some of your insights and wisdoms to help our audience tackle this tough topic that I think we see over and over in our profession?
2: Well, number one, thank you for the wonderful introduction. I'm humbled and honored to be sitting here with the famous Tom and Tommy and Dear Legal Ops. I'm excited to be here. The first thing that got me is Everyone in the legal ops space, especially our legal ops leaders, know how often it is that we have not enough resources, that you are looking at a mountain full of work and you are trying to figure out in your head, how am I going to get all of this work done with no extra hands and with no processes in place? And so I wanted to share my insight because I have a very unique story in that the last role that I was in with Director of Legal Ops role, the entire legal team had gone away. And so I started into a a new role and I didn't have any teammates. I had a general counsel and then he left after two and a half months. And so I knew what it was to look at a mountain full of work like Lenny Legal Lumberjack and to say how in the world am I going to convince my finance team that number one, I need to replace all of the roles that were here before, but I also need to add additional roles so that the exodus doesn't happen again and that each role feels supported and that we can address the work that needs to be done in the department and lend our hands to the operations of the complete business. So I felt his pain.
1: I cannot believe, like when we talk about legal ops, we talk about, Building things from the ground up. Holy moly, you really built it from it was it was scorched earth and you and you really started from the ground. Now we're here. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Holy moly. That's quite impressive. Now, did you go into the design of what the org should look like and make recommendations on who who you should go out and be hiring, not only for the op side, but also were you offering your insights on maybe what kind of practice area attorneys you were looking for?
2: Yes. So what I first did, even before getting to that part, I actually reached back out to the associate general counsel that had trained me and that was the leader of that department. And then I also reached out to people that I hadn't met that had left prior to me coming on, just had someone reach out to them that was close and say, hey, our new director of legal ops started. She wondered if she could talk to you for a bit about the department. And so I actually talked to the people who had gone and they were more than willing to give me insight as to what they thought, if they had it, they might still be there. And in listening to their pain points, I wanted to make sure that number one, I understood what I was getting myself into. As again, I was a temporary employee and the only person there. And so I needed to find out if I was gonna call my recruiter and say, um, don't think I'm coming back, or if I was going to be able to weather the storm. And so once I got the feedback from the people that had been there prior, one of the individuals I had worked with over 10 years prior at a large law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I trusted her judgment and I knew her caliber of work. And so once I got that information, I approached the CEO, who I started to report to once the general counsel left. And I drew out several versions of an org chart for how I envisioned the department could be reassembled or like Humpty Dumpty put back together again. And so (laughs) I went ahead and I drew about three versions of an org chart. And one of those versions, which was my option one, was to have all of the legal replacements report to me, and then I would report to the GC. I also talked about the type of attorney that we would need. And I talked to our interim general counsel, who was the general counsel for the chairman of the board, and we discussed the type of role that was needed for an attorney. It didn't need to be as experienced as the one prior who he was amazing, but it also needed to be someone who was hungry and looking to make some stakes in their career And needed to have a varied background because as a general counsel, you have to have a general knowledge across the legal department, as well as a little bit of specializations in some things.
0: And what I really like that you emphasized here, and I think it's important, we hear it all the time in the industry, is there is no blueprint, right, for the makeup of your legal team. There is no blueprint for you have to hire first GC and then blank and then third blank and then fourth blank, right? We're seeing all the time where legal ops is coming in a lot earlier, two, three, or four, right? Sometimes it's maybe a little bit later, commercial privacy, like what is your risk? What is the business itself? And so I think to Tommy's favorite topic that we do all the time on this show, storytelling, right? It's about like, how do you make the case for getting additional headcount? Because to your point, Deja, you walked into... Girl, you walked into a storm, okay? And so... (laughs) Get the button ready. (laughs) But right, yeah. And and even with that, you navigated it and you learned and you grew. And I think that's one subset of the overall resourcing issues or uphill battles that some in-house legal teams face. But on the flip side of it, Tommy because I know you had done this in your prior roles as well too, how do you actually make the case for getting additional headcount, right? Like you're not given the Daisha experience, right? You're not being like, sorry, we're all gone here. Here's some crayons and coloring paper. You go do this, right? What do you do when you actually need to make the case yourself in a legal operations role for getting additional headcount?
1: All right. Well, knock on wood, I didn't have that experience. But you know what? It sounds like, Daisha, you weathered the storm. And that's a testament to... How resilient you are, and how you're able to sort of like navigate the murky waters. So kudos to you. Yeah, how do you make the case, Tom? I'll steal your line. Data, data, data. Right? Like we're all nodding our heads, dancing, singing. It's it's that Taylor Swift hit. Data, data, (laughs) data.
0: Oh my god, can we have can we yes? We need to we need to take a legal ops spin to 1989 and Figure do it. Figure out our, which songs yes. we're gonna
2: parody over.
0: Back to December and No Budget.
2: <laughs> I'm a survivor. <laughs> okay, there we go. All
1: right. That is one of Deja's favorite songs. And <laughs> in fact, it is her anthem, actually. That's her walk-on anthem. You have to pull some receipts because Unfortunately, as is evident by the walkout seen by Deja in that role, people don't sort of care about the emotional support part of I'm swamped and please get me resources, right? They don't hear it, obviously, or they would have been staffed the right way and they would have maybe not had a walkout, right? So you can't just sort of make noise around the building going like, I'm swamped, please help me, please. <laughs> like throwing your hair out the window like Rapunzel. You have to give them some data. And then you tug on the other thread of relationships, like getting the data in front of the right people. But you have to do a little bit of homework. Like how much work is there? And how do you even begin to figure out how much work there is? How much risk is not being mitigated? How much exposure do we have by not having a privacy person here? So to your point, Tom, of like knowing the business, knowing what risks are out there, knowing... How upset is sales with us that there's nobody here to work on these deals and they're all going outside counsel for the moment? So I think it's a little bit of like pulling the receipts from every corner and then you lean in on relationships to go sell that story. Deja, it sounds like you have a little bit of experience with pulling that data. So what is that journey like? I know what it was like for me when I went to go do it, but what was your journey like? Because obviously you pulled some receipts, right?
2: Yes. So being able to have... Uh, purview into the risk management department and being responsible for risk management. As you mentioned, risk is a big, important deal with regard to how legal operations functions, but also how a legal department functions and ultimately how the business functions, because too much risk, you might not have a business to function, right? And so in my case, I had data based upon a hodgepodge of emails and spreadsheets and things that needed to be pulled together that I was able to kind of dig into. I had access to everyone's inbox. So I had about six inboxes to migrate through. And I also was able to take that data and put it into a spreadsheet form and then put it into a matter management system that we later implemented and then run the reports to create the dashboards for the important information. But before even gathering the data, I needed to know what was important to the business, to the executive management team, the stakeholders and the board. What information did they want to know? Did they need to know? And that was important for tracking going forward appropriately so that we didn't waste time. And so you can gather all the data you want, but if it's not meaningful to someone else, That is going to be making the decisions based upon what needs are of the business, then your data is not going to mean anything.
0: This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Legal.io. Legal.io is the fastest growing community and marketplace for legal talent. Legal.io connects legal professionals to resources and opportunities at the world's leading in house departments and firms. Legal.io is the launchpad for legal careers, matching legal ops professionals, attorneys, paralegals, and so many other legal professionals at some of the world's most exciting companies with a level of precision that only a data-driven, vertical-specific marketplace can provide. Supported by significant investors like Tiger Global, Legal.io is redefining the legal workspace. If you want to learn about the enterprise marketplace solution for legal talent, access salary surveys with compensation data as unique as you, and join their vibrant in house legal community, visit www.legal.io. That's L E G A L.io. Legal.io, your gateway to a global legal talent marketplace designed with the legal operations community in mind. Mm, Yes. It's the, do you have the strength or do you have the influence, right? Do you have the power and the data and can you understand the business or are you in a position that it's like, actually I'm the right hand, right? I'm doing my legal ops job. I'm the trusted advisor. I'm the collaborator, the cross-functional partner, the buy-in's there, the budget's there, the alignment is there. Tommy, is is it strength? Is it influence? Is it a little bit of both? Like what's, what's the secret recipe here?
1: I think the secret recipe is a little bit of both, right? I think it's strength. I think it's influence because you can have the data, but if you don't have the influence, what does it matter to Deja's point? Like if if a tree falls in the woods with Lenny Lumberjack from Legal Ops Overlook, what does it matter if there's no one there to sort of hear it, right? But if you then go into relationship building, if you go into influence, if you go into learning who your audience is and how you best present the story to them, then you start to get maybe some traction on your influence. Like it's not just that you have information. It's who do I give this information to that it most matters? And what's the best way to give it to them? How do they best hear it? So I think all of that. And Deja, it sounds like you have had some really high successes. I recently read your article that you had some really high successes in building relationships. And I have to tell you, that building relationships is not only like a way that we get operations done, but obviously it's the way that you get business done, right?
2: Yes. And thank you for taking time to read that article.
0: Oh, we do our homework here at the House of DLO here. We make sure we creep on our guests, that we find the good stuff because it it is, it's, it's so important.
1: And let me actually plug, it was legal business world that the article was in. So I'm so sorry, but it was a great article. It, it gave us some insights into who you are, your fabulousness. And no, go go right ahead, continue talking about it. No,
2: thank you very much. Everybody knows that I'm a people person. And so I've had managers in the past and bosses in the past that just said You're just a people person. You need to be interfacing with the people, the business, our stakeholders versus being buried in paperwork. You're great at doing the paperwork, but you excel with building the relationships. And some roles in the past I have been... The PR or face of the legal department and legal operations. And I actually did road shows. And so where we might have had some tough salespeople that did not want to heed to change management, so to speak, in helping the turnaround times that they complained about, I was deployed out into the different offices, making relationships with some of the toughest people that posed opposition to my boss at the time. And just getting their people on board. If people want to know that you care before they care to know what you know, right? And so if you are able to disarm people to be able to feel comfortable and to trust you, because trust is a big component in building relationships, those things are very important because not only in making sure business gets done and in making sure legal gets done, building relationships are the keys to taking anything to the next level. And when you want someone to cheer you on or to advocate for you or to help, you know, they say their strength in numbers to back you up when you are asking for a specific tool, additional resources, or even just a different way in doing things. You need people within those teams to champion you behind the scenes and kind of sponsor you to talk great about those things and initiatives that you're pushing in rooms that you are not in.
0: It's pretty incredible when you think about the conversations you have and the relationships that you build because what we are seeing right now when it comes to in-house teams is we're seeing in-house teams with budgets that are fixed in cost, right? Like the total amount or how much you can spend here, right? And that's been a little bit decreased in this current economy. Hopefully that turns around soon and and we we get the floodgates open up a little bit more. But what is very unique is that it is not fixed in the pathway that you get there, right? And so the old school and really, quite frankly, the the archaic way of resourcing that used to be before where it's, hey, we only hire these Amlaw firms, right? And they're the only ones that we work with. And we give everything to them without asking any questions. Running Legal Like a Business is now the new norm. And quite frankly, it's where the bottom threshold for in-house legal teams to enter the arena with other cross-functional practice groups or departments within a company, they have to meet them at that minimum threshold. And what I think is interesting and unique and dynamic about that relationship and building those is you have to, in a legal ops role, go around your practice stakeholders, right? Your leaders within the in-house team, your team and go, okay, what do you need? Let's talk about it is this a truly subject matter expert role, right? Is this an operational role? Is this a technology role? Is this a program manager? Do they own something end to end, right? You, you have that conversation, you get to know them and you build that relationship. And then I've seen it really worked the best when I was at Credit Karma, other people that I know, Tommy and Daisha, I don't know if you're in the same situation too, but then when you have and you understand the need from the relationship and then you have the budget, it's like, okay, great. Now what do we do? Because right now the U.S has something staggering, like 60,000 plus open legal positions, right? And so the task of filling those, it's challenging. Some people want in-house experience, but I think where we're starting to see this change is the ALSP network, right? Where being able to hire flexible legal talent, secondments through in-house networks and marketplaces is pushing past this $1,000 $1,000 an hour, right, for XYZ Amlaw Firm because we need an attorney. When at the end of the day, what you talked about at the very beginning was, sometimes when you interview your GC or the stakeholder or the practice group lead, you realize, actually, this may not be an attorney role or it may not be that specifically. So what I would love to know from the both of you is, what is your view and your take on under helping Lenny be able to staff or find the right resource when there is a really muddy sea out there that isn't as blue as it used to be because it was blue because it was just you followed this path, right? Like, what what are you seeing out there?
1: I'm going back a few minutes, but I do have to give snaps before this episode ends because she said one of my favorite things, which is be an advocate for someone when they're not in the room. It's like a personal mantra. And especially, I don't mean to make it about gender, but I will especially be the type of woman that speaks highly of another woman when she's not in the room, right? I love to be that ally and that advocate. You mentioned it. I had to give it snaps. Lenny, don't worry, Lenny. I got you covered, boo. I got an acronym for you. Here we go. All right. So Tom, you were mentioning that. We want to know, how do we make the decisions about staffing so that we get it right? And so sometimes you need it to be full-time, in-house, Sometimes you need it to be an outside counsel, but then sometimes you go, hey, maybe I don't need to spend $2,000 an hour on outside counsel.
0: Man, we went from 1000 to 2000 real quick, which is kind of like how the outside counsel rates have been in the last two years, right? It's
1: actually how it works. <laughs> you breathe and that price goes up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you may not have the data yet to know how much work will this person actually need. And so maybe I do need six months of someone here to figure out, is this actually a full-time role? I generally advocate for in-house full-time roles, right? Because it actually is good to keep a lot of the expertise in-house if folks are working on the commercial side, right? I want them to become an ingrained part of the business. I want them to build relationships. And some of that really, that connectivity comes when you see them every day. But sometimes that's actually not the need. And if we still have to figure out like, I don't know, maybe you're a small startup and you don't quite yet have all the needs for a dedicated employment lawyer, but you do have some matters that come up from time to time and you need some good matter expertise. You need a solid person. So how do we sort of figure out and lay down an assessment? So here's our acronym. HIRED. H, highlighting areas of need, determining where support is needed. I, identifying skills and experience. What's the skill set, position, and years of expertise? R, resource allocation. Do we take cost savings from other places? Sorry, outside council, we don't need to. Bye. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we don't need to pick on you, but could we shift some of those dollars, put it somewhere else out of savings? E, evaluating cross functionality. Can this person be used cross-functionally? Are they the employment lawyer that's actually trained in privacy as well because of all the privacy implications that go into employment? So can we use them in other places too? And D, defining character traits. What's the right characteristics for those role? So when you're thinking about bringing someone new on board, they can be flex, they can be in-house full-time. It sort of doesn't matter what their makeup is. But think of this acronym when you're trying to determine who's the person that I'm going to go out there and look for.
0: Yeah. So to Lenny's letter, right? We did Lenny the lumberjack. We have talked about the knee deep in data. We've talked about getting either the rallying behind it with the influence or rallying behind it with the strength itself and taking it across the finish line I will say of all of the webinars I've seen you on, the panels that we have been at, the conferences that the three of us, right, have all intermingled over the last couple of years, I think your superpower, in my view, is this understanding the authenticity of being true to who you are and advocating for the right decision That also happens to be aligned with the business, right? And you do this so well when you speak about your experiences and how you try and push the boundaries to level up your own skills and share those with those that you meet at conferences or in in episodes like this. So how would you empower Lenny to understand that once you've lined up the resources, the allocation, the cost, and the data... How do you present yourself, as you said, to the boardroom? How do you present yourself while being true and authentic to yourself?
2: Well, thank you very much for all those compliments. I definitely appreciate that. It doesn't feel that way when you're actually going through it. But what I will say to Lenny the legal lumberjack is know your audience. All those relationships that you spent time building as you were collecting the data that you knew that they needed in order for you to make your case and to tell your story Know your audience. So if you are speaking to a financial audience, make sure that you have data and spreadsheets that you can place into a presentation and tell the story with the numbers. If you have your board that you are speaking to that they only want to know the pertinent pieces of information and not all the details, you make sure that you put it together in the font that they want it to be in. Make sure that there's nothing that takes away from your actual presentation because people don't understand that people get distracted when they don't see things uniformed in the way that they would like to, and they don't pay attention to what your content is. And so make sure that you know what they're requiring from you and the uniformity of uh, delivering that message depending on who your audience is. And then make the case via a summary. You can utilize dashboards, and colors for salespeople who need to understand exactly a life cycle or where things are getting hung up on in cycling, where there are stops in the process. And so what you want to do is, again, know your audience, who you're presenting this information to, speak to them in their language, and put together a presentation that tells a story, but also use your influence and your authenticity to speak passionately about the things that you know are needed from the voices of the people who you have tapped into to get you that data.
0: So many good nuggets there. One of the episodes that we had recently, episode 22 on ALSP. So we would encourage everyone who's listening to head back to episode 22. That one was a fantastic episode. And one of the things that Tommy and I, actually, that was was one of our first episodes, wasn't it?
1: It was. Yeah. yeah so We're down memory lane here.
0: It is. Going down memory lane. I think the trust between an in-house legal team and an ALSP when it comes to this resourcing, it's pivotal, right? And you see that same relationship when you are dealing with your in-house team. It's not just about outsourcing the tasks, right? As we talked about in this entire episode, it's really about building those relationships and partnerships that add value, but more importantly, drive improvement. Because Addressing an entire team of skeptics, it's not an easy task, but it is this powerful reminder that change often begins with these challenging conversations. So if you're saying, hey, I know we've paid this, and I know we need this resource, and I know that X and, and Z is the third factor, what's your appetite for getting twice as more, right? And and how does that look? And how do we help the resource and, and drive our business forward? And If you can do that and you can, to our House of DLO listeners out there, if you can take these nuggets that Tommy gave you with the HIRED acronym, and then you can take the powerful message of influence and strength and data that Daisha described today, I think you're really going to find that, Lenny, finding that resource itself will ultimately prevail if you just keep pushing past it. And with that, Daisha, we would like to kind of know for our guests, for Lenny, what is the last piece of advice? What's your final thought on how do you create the right team while also balancing authenticity?
2: So, number one is identity know yourself, right? If you don't know yourself, then you can't really align yourself with anyone else. When you know what makes you be a fish in water, which is ingenious versus a fish out of water, which some of us feel when we step into new environments or with new people. Then you're able to understand exactly the characteristics, the traits, the personalities and the skill sets that you need in order to be your most efficient. But authentic self. And then you allow people who are going to be hired based upon the skill sets that are needed, the type of grit, maybe that is needed in their character, to be their authentic self. So that together you have the diversity of thought, you have the diversity of background, and you are able to trust one another to be open to the different ideas of everyone that then adds to the ultimate solution that you are presenting to the business.
0: So fantastic, y'all. we're getting the red light from this studio. We got to get up out of here, so we gotta go. We gotta go. We're here for a good We're here for a good time, not a long time sometimes, on this show. <laughs> Daisha, can you let our guests know how they can get in contact with you, how they can find you if they have any questions?
2: So I am on LinkedIn under Deja Vasquez. Last name is V as in Victor, A-Z as in zebra, Q-U-E-Z. And first name is D as in David, E-I-S as in Sam, H-A. You can find me on LinkedIn.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, Deja. This was so wonderful. Appreciate all of your expertise around authenticity and building that rock star team.
2: Thank you for having me, guys.
1: What an enlightening journey today, House of Dear Legal Ops. A heartfelt thanks to Lenny for his letter and to the remarkable Deja Vasquez for her invaluable insights on resource planning and advocacy. As we've delved into, it's not just about numbers, but about crafting a narrative that resonates. Tom and I are continually inspired by the stories from our community. Deja's emphasis on authenticity and storytelling is a testament to the heart and soul of Legal Ops. It's about wearing many hats with purpose and passion. As we wrap up today, let's carry these lessons forward. Stay true to yourselves, embrace diverse experiences, and always evolve. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, keep pushing the boundaries of legal ops and advocating for yourself. Cheers, op stars. For more Dear Legal Ops content, make sure to follow us on all social media using the handle at Dear Legal Ops.
0: Have a tough Legal Ops topic you want us to tackle? Submit a letter and share your stories with us at DearLegalOps.com slash submit for a chance to be featured on the show.
1: Like what you hear? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening.
0: As always, I'm your host, Tom Stevenson adding a splash of color to the lively landscape that is legal operations.
1: And I'm Tommy tavares Pereira, Your voice of reason amidst the whirlwind of change, keeping it real and relatable.
0: Dear Legal Ops is produced by Red Rock Music.
1: Until next time.